Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello, welcome back to My Business Playbook. It's good to be with you today. Now, when COVID hit, I started doing webinars. I did my first webinar, I think it was the week of like lockdown. So kind of a tense time, I guess you could say, but we really wanted to make sure we were adding value to our community. And the best way to do that was virtually, and it was through webinars. So we started doing webinars, but the problem was we had no idea what we were doing. I would host these webinars in my lounge room. I would have my laptop sitting on top of my husband's esky. I would be sitting there with a glass of wine talking about marketing. It was like very relaxed, definitely not super professional. Anyway, I'm sharing all of my webinar woes today because I'm joined by Colin Boyd. And what he does is he helps people sell from stage, whether that's a an event, a face-to-face event, or virtually via video or webinar. And I kind of, I came across Colin um, because I started doing his course, Sell From Stage Academy, and it really helped me to not be so awkward at webinars. And what I love about his framework is that it really helps you to actually confidently sell without coming across as pushy or salesy. And so Colin really helps experts, course creators and coaches to confidently speak and sell from stage. He's obsessed with creating step-by-step strategies that anyone can follow to become confident and powerful at speaking and selling on live stage, webinar and video. So if you've ever thought about doing a webinar, you need to check out Colin's stuff because he is the pro at this. And he does it in a way that feels authentic. It doesn't feel pushy. It doesn't feel salesy or icky. It's really genuine and helpful. And honestly, the results you get from doing, from following his framework are amazing. So I highly recommend, you're going to hear my webinar mishaps, the things that I've done wrong. Honestly, I did the most awkward stuff. So, you know, I think at one point I told everyone, I'm going to, I'm wearing my dressing gown tonight. (laughs) It was just like, it was just terrible. You know, I, anyway, you know, listen to the episode. You'll hear my story. It's, it's funny. So let's dive into my conversation with Colin Boyd. We're going to be talking all things selling from stage. Well, Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's so good to chat with you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Hey, it's great to be here, Laura. Oh, so good. Now, Tell me about your business. What the heck do you do and where and how did you start? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, we run, a, we run a business that really helps people, mainly experts or entrepreneurs, to become confident to speak and sell on a virtual or a live stage. So basically, if they want to sell something on a stage, virtual or live stage, we can help them with that. Now, for me, where it all started was I was actually studying life coaching and I was doing a diploma of life coaching and, and I had these big desires, these big dreams of making a difference. Uh, but to be honest, I wasn't making much of a difference because I had no clients. And so I was sitting, <laughs> I was, this is before we moved to the US, I was sitting in our little two-bedroom apartment in Janali in the Sutherland Shire and on the wrong side of the tracks, literally right by the railway station. And uh, I had a phone call on our landline from one of my friends, his name was Joe. And he said, hey, Cole, what are you doing You know, two weeks from now? I've got a speaking event coming up that I can't do. Uh, and someone else gave it to me and he doesn't want to do it. Do you want to do it? <laughs> so as you can imagine, it's like- <laughs> What an invite. What an invite, absolutely. It's like super high quality <laughs> invite, right? And I said, no, that's, that sounds great. And so he said, yeah, yeah. So these are the dates, these are the details. And I said, okay, cool. And so we organized it. And coming up to it, I started to get really nervous, like incredibly nervous. But to be honest, uh, I had nothing else on my calendar. It was my first kind of free speaking event. And I arrived that night with my wife 
we're walking up the stairs and it was quite literally a dark and stormy night. And uh, we walk up the stairs and the event organizer runs to me. He says, he says, Colin, welcome. He said, this is the biggest turnout we've ever had. Uh, we've got 145 people here, 140 people here. And he said, it's insane. We're so excited. And so for me, this was like bad news because I just realized <laughs> I'm going to look like an idiot in front of more people. And then what happened was I got up, I spoke and I made an offer at the end. And to be honest, I had no idea that it was going to be an irresistible offer. I didn't even know what that was. And I made an offer and out of the 130 or 40 people, about 125 of them gave me their details. I followed up, did some coaching, like free coaching sessions, ended up filling my entire coaching practice. And then four days later, HP, uh, Hewlett Packard calling me and asking me to speak at a global conference of theirs coming up, which had five and a half thousand people. And so it was quite literally overnight, my business just transformed. And then that was when I had that revelation of going, what, what is this speaking on a stage thing? And how do I actually create a system and some sort of framework around it so that, that I can actually grow my business from it? Because I don't know what just happened then, but that was pretty amazing. So that was, that was my first experience of speaking on a stage in a professional sense. And that, that's what got me into doing what I was doing. That's amazing. I love that feeling of, oh crap, I've got this thing booked and now I have to learn how to speak about what I do. Like, I love that. It's nothing like a deadline to make you go, okay, well, I've got to sort this out beforehand. Oh, it's so true. I think like as an entrepreneur, you know, you don't have to do anything. There's, there's, there's no boss telling you what to do. And yeah. so the only thing that is going to make you a boss is to declare to the general public or to have some sort of event that people are coming to that you have to deliver on. And whenever <laughs> yes. people talk about, oh, they're like, I want to run a webinar, but I haven't run one yet. And it's like, you got to declare it to the world. You say to the world, I'm going to run a masterclass on this date, sign up. And then all of a sudden you just got to show up. 100%. And every time I host a webinar, I find myself doing this like thing of, I need the content before and all this stuff, but there's nothing like going, right, well, we've got a way for people to register and I've just got to sort out the content. And often for me, it's the day of, I'm going, ah, oh, the slides, you know, the, <laughs> I've got to do all the stuff. It's like something in me needs we need the deadline. I think it really helps. 100%. It's whole Parkinson's law of like, however long you give it is how long it's going to take. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I've, I've done webinars where I've been like, right, I'm going to be organized. And I'm going to take a month to like prep the content. And then I've done webinars where I'm like, okay, Facebook's changed this one thing. We need to talk about it because it's going to affect your business. And so it's like next week, we're going to have a masterclass. And so I feel like either way, it kind of works. So yeah. there's nothing quite like a deadline. But so you run your business, you're an Aussie living in Newport in the United States, and you run your business with your wife, Sarah. How do you guys work together? And do you have any tips for couples who want to work together? Also, oh, wow. like, this, yeah, this, this is, is a like... loaded question. <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have fights? Um, no. <laughs> um, I work with my husband and we listened to an episode that you guys did together on yeah. how you work together. And I loved it because we both were kind of like, it got very silent in the car and we both were kind of like looking at each other, like you do that and I do this. And we like, you know, you started to realize, oh, we don't really know what we're doing. So <laughs> do you have any tips for me slash anyone else who <laughs> needs help? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Sarah and I work quite closely together and I think one of the biggest things is us discovering, first of all, like what we're really good at and giving each other yeah. permission to lead that area. And like, you know, that can be a struggle at times because, you know, uh, I think most entrepreneurs have a level of wanting to control things. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, when, it, when it's not how I see it, like there, there is that tension of letting her do what she does best and what I do best. And so I would say one of the biggest tips is working out what areas uh, you have the most decision power in. And so what that means is uh, there are some areas where Sarah has, you know, 100% decision power and I'm like a zero. So even if I open my mouth, it's just like, that's 100 to zero. I've got nothing. So I have yeah. no influence on that. And then there's stuff where there's like 50-50. And so that might be the vision or, you know, where you're heading. 
And then there's stuff where it's like 49, they call it 49.1. Actually, this stuff comes from, uh, I learned this from the Couples Institute, actually. 49.51, sorry. 49.51, where it's, you you know, you can can kind of robustly discuss it. But when it comes down to it, one person has the final vote and they have, you know, veto on it. So I think working out like, like where your decision power sits is a huge learning for us. And, and so when it comes down to it, Sarah makes a lot of our decisions around like a lot of the strategic marketing side of things. And yeah. even if I have an, an opinion, when it comes down to it, she's got veto. So, so I just, I let her do that. So that's been a great one for us. Yeah. I love that. And what, like, have you had any moments where you've, you've vetoed things? <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like I get vetoed my whole life. You so, get vetoed <laughs> because because I'm a I'm a good husband. Uh, I I I think I'm the head of the household, but but really she's the neck that turns everything. So yeah. uh, I'm just it's all the illusion. And uh, <laughs> but no, no, we're we're quite balanced in terms of our relationship and and our parenting and so forth that we try to be. And so uh, oh, I get vetoed all the time. So. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, it's such a such a learning curve. And for Nathan and I, so he's a he's a builder by trade. He is so good at executing stuff. So he I'll be thinking about things and I'll be like, this is how it should look and this is how it should feel. And I'm really excited. Our community's gonna love it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Yeah, great. You've just got to now do it. And it's like, okay, great, okay, good. And he's really good at just going. Yeah, that sounds awesome. If we get it 80% right, I'm happy, you know, whereas mm. I'm like, I want it to be incredible from the get-go and, you know. and The aesthetics, the, the feel, the vibe, the like all of it. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. And I think like on the, the webinar front, and I know you're going to give us some practical communication and selling from stage advice and I'm really excited for that. But when I first, this kind of leads into my next question, but I'm going to tell you mine so you feel comfortable to mm. talk about your your missteps. I hosted my first webinar, Colin. It must have been March 2020. So COVID had just hit. Everyone had gone into lockdown and I was like, okay, people are freaking out. My whole community is small business owners. And so it's like cafes, gyms, you know, people in finance, all of these people going, oh my gosh, I don't, What what are we doing? You know, we can't even operate anymore. So I was like, great, we're going to host a webinar. And I put it together again, had no idea what I was doing. I was like, okay, well, we're going to do a webinar. We're going to host it on Zoom. And maybe about, maybe about half an hour before someone said to me, I've actually got this really cool camera set up. Why don't we change it to Facebook? And it'll look really good. And you know, why don't we change it to that? And we had hundreds of people signed up to this webinar and I was like, great, let's just send them an email. And, you know, half an hour before, sent them an email to change it to Facebook instead. That was terrible. Like doing that was so bad because everyone was like- Such a bad decision. I know, Colin, you're shaking your head at me. I honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like (laughs) so flustered, so stressed. But then I proceeded like- so then we did that. That was fine. You know, half the people did, couldn't make it because they didn't know where we were going. Like terrible. Then the next time I hosted a webinar, this is terrible and it makes me cringe just thinking about it. It was a Zoom one, but I didn't have slides. It was just me talking. Hmm. But what I did was I had people were so anxious because they could all see each other. And so it was that like- was a meeting. It was, it was a meeting. meeting. It was not a webinar. terrible. <laughs> Honestly, it was so bad. And so then I had someone contact me and go, I feel so awkward. I didn't come because I was vacuuming and I, I was cleaning my house and I wanted to join and just listen. But then you were like singling people out and asking them to speak. And so anyway, I've learned a lot. Done, I've now done your course and learned what the heck was I doing? Just so crazy. Anyway, I say all of that to say, Thanks for teaching me how to do webinars first, but also (laughs) you can, some of these things you you can only learn by doing them, right? And I feel like some of the mistakes that we make, 
you kind of have to just make them and go, right, well, that that was that and look at that. People felt awkward and, and you know, like my webinar setup was my husband had this esky um, and I'd put my laptop on top of it. I'd have a glass of wine and this was like I did weekly webinars in COVID. I'd have a glass of wine and I'd just be like, guys, COVID, like what are we going to do about our marketing? And it was just so um, – it taught me a lot. It taught yeah, me a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you would have learned a lot. I mean, I love that whole like gorilla style, just getting into it and <laughs> giving it a go. Um, and that probably laid a lot of the foundations, I think, for I know that you you do our program, but like I think that definitely helps so much. To, to, oh, <laughs> to just – oh, you kind of have to just do it. And I think for me it it helped me to go, okay – here's what not to do. Like don't single people out and make it so that they feel awkward, you know? So, so many things I've learned, but it leads into my question for you. What are some of the missteps that you've taken in your business journey? Do you have any stories of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did it like that? Mm. I think for me, when I first learned about like doing a video promotion, like a video launch, uh, I actually created this program called the Productivity Academy. And uh, so I was teaching people productivity, obviously. And um, I, I built this whole, like built the course. I think I spent like five grand on it. I hired a videographer, had like built the whole thing, right? And I'm like, this is going to be insane. And then I'm doing the numbers going, you know, if I get if I get 500 people to sign up, I'll make this amount of money. If I get a thousand people, I'll make this. And, you know, and so very soon I'm going like, I'm going to make a million dollars in about seven <laughs> days, right? You know, I'm like going all the way there. And so I'd spent all this money and then I built this like three or four part video series that I'd seen someone do and I just kind of followed it generally. And then, and then I released it. And first of all, I hated the process more from the sense of the vi- the pre-recorded videos I had I had like done right, and so and I'm going guerrilla style, so I'm I'm mess I'm direct messaging people. This is back in the day when when Facebook would let you direct message 200 people on in a day before you know like now you direct message like five people and they shut you down. Um, where yes. back in the day it was just you can contact anyone. I remember I reached out to a few people and they were like. They were swearing at me, telling me to f off. Like, like, and some of these people were like fairly big in the industry, and I didn't even know who they were. And then I looked them up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, just dis- I'm destroying my reputation with all these like market leaders. But what ended up happening was I got 600 people to sign up, and I'm and once again I'm doing the numbers. I'm thinking this is going to be insane. I'm going to make so much money. And then so 600 people signed up and watched the videos and so forth. And I had an open cart for about seven days and I had no one purchase until like the last hour, someone bought our 12 month payment plan. So it was barely anything like per month, right? Payment. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, okay, I just lost like $6,000 about five weeks of my time and, (laughs) and basically peed off about five market leaders in the in the market, and so for me that was <laughs> that was a massive uh, learning experience. And I just learned like what type of promotion I liked doing, what type of promotion I didn't like doing. And to be honest, the the real learnings was I learned how to structure my offer differently. And and leading on from there, that same product, I ended up you know we, we've done multi six figure webinars like in one hour, do a couple hundred thousand dollars in on this one product, same product, yeah. just different offer. And that yeah. was one of my biggest learnings was like how to structure my offer and all that sort of stuff from it. So cool. I love that. And I think this is the perfect time for us to get into the practical side because, you know, doing your course, like doing your program, it's helped me a lot with, you know, not just winging it. For me, I've always been okay with like, Oh, I'm I'm cool with like presenting. I'm okay with like, I can kind of talk to anyone, mm. but realizing that there's actually a science and kind of a, a really clear process to make webinars and presenting actually really resonate with people, but in a way that doesn't feel pushy or salesy. And I feel like that's your real, that's kind of your MO, like that's your, mm. that's your thing. So 
Why do you think, and, and particularly as Australians, and you're an Aussie living in, in the US, why do you think we shy away from sales? Why do you think we feel so funny about it? And I think mm. particularly Aussies. Mm. I, think, I think people see sales completely wrong. And mm. what I mean by that is a lot of the time, you know, we look at t- like even we go to Aussie culture, like the tall poppy syndrome, uh, yeah. which is, you know, don't think too big of yourself, don't ask too much of people, um, all that sort of thing. And I think that if you see sales from the perspective of I'm promoting myself and I'm asking too much of people, you're obviously not going to not gonna sell, right? You're not going to want to sell yeah. and you're going to struggle with your business. And so for me, I think shifting your psychology on sales is fundamental to actually having success as, a, as an entrepreneur because – when you think about it, you know, if you're a small business owner, maybe you're running a cafe, maybe or maybe maybe you are an expert or a speaker or something like that. You you can't actually serve a customer properly until they buy something from you. You know, you go into yeah. a a restaurant and if they don't buy something from you, first of all it's not sustainable because there's no revenue. And then second of all, they don't get anything. You're not going to just give it all away for free. Like that's not a business. That's a that's a non-for-profit, right? <laughs> That's not a for-profit business. And so getting comfortable with sales is really the foundation for serving people. Love that. And so it is the only doorway that a for-profit business can truly serve and make an impact in the world. That's my belief. And and the reason why I say that is I think you need to see what you offer as being very different to what most people see what they offer. So for example, like uh, a lot of the time uh, people feel uncomfortable when they make an offer. So they make an offer to their audience and they say, hey, you know, this is the program we have and this is how much it is and this is what's involved and all that sort of stuff. And and it can feel like we're pushing something onto them and saying, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'd love you to do. We, we want this much money from you for it, all that sort of stuff. And it feels like you're trying to get something from someone. But I see offers very differently, and this is what I teach in in our in the academy, in Self from Stage Academy, is this idea that an offer. So think about it like this: imagine, imagine I came around to your house and you had just baked these like incredible chocolate chip cookies, and they're like <laughs> perfectly designed for me, and and I come in and they smell beautiful, and you say, "Hey, Colin, would you like a chocolate chip cookie?" Now I can say no, right? But if I smell it and I look at it and I look at the time you put into it and I see, wow, and all I have to do is like the cost for me is to move my arm down and pick it up and eat it, I'm like that's an irresistible offer. Now, you're not saying you have to eat the cookies, but you're saying, hey, I've got these like beautiful baked cookies here. They smell amazing. They're going to taste amazing. The experience is going to be like this and would you like one? And so that's kind of what an offer is. An offer is actually going – I've created a space and to be honest, I, I feel like a, a real integrate offer, which is something that you you give, we give, you know, people in the industry that have truly built something that they're proud of, um, like your audience, if they, if they can truly say, I've created a space where people can see a change in their life or a transformation or an experience that they wouldn't experience before, it's actually, there's something sacred about that. There's something beautiful. Mm. There's something elegant about that. And so for me, when I make an offer, I'm actually saying I've created a sacred space where if, if this is the result you want, the transformation you want, then you're welcome to enter. However, to enter this sacred space, there is a commitment that needs to be, that, that needs to be made to enter this space because this is a protected space. And so yeah. I don't want anyone just jumping in there is a commitment, there is a price that has to be paid and that can rep- be represented by money, time, energy, um, all those sort of things. And so that's how, for me, I see offers. It's really good because I kind of think about, I had this gym membership and it was like 15 bucks a week. And I think I, I was a member for about three months and I think I went a total of two times because I was like, it doesn't really cost me anything. And then I joined... Um, F45, which mm. like, you know, that kind of- Yeah, kind of got it here fit. as well. Do yeah. they? Yeah, yes. they got F45 here. Oh, well, there we go. Well, <laughs> I, when I joined F45, it was like, okay, it's 65 bucks a week. Mm. 
I need to go five times, you know, I need to go twice a day, every day, you know, because there's an investment of money. And I think where people get funny and then like come unstuck is thinking, oh, but if it costs them something, they're not going to like that. But I think Mm. it's the opposite. Like if people invest financially, they're more likely to invest their time. So I know for me as a busy person, if something doesn't cost me enough, I don't, I don't take notice of it. A hundred percent. It's like if, yeah. if, if I created a program and in that program is all we did was just hang out, right? And just talked. If you paid seven, if you paid, I don't know, $7 to enter the program, you would get a certain result. But if you paid $70,000 to enter that same program for a year, like so $7 for a year or $70,000 for the year, I can yeah. guarantee you, you would get very different results if you paid 70 grand. Just yeah. just by the the sense that you're bringing that more, you're bringing more commitment. It's kind of like another one is imagine I had a piece of paper and I said this piece of paper has a process that can quite literally make you a hundred grand next like this year, and if you follow the process, it can make you a hundred grand, and it's seven dollars. You would go, oh cool, you'll get it. You would put it in your digital files, and you'll go, I'm definitely going to have a look at that at some point, and you may yeah. never look at it. But if I said it was seven thousand dollars. And for this one piece of yeah. paper, you would get it. You would probably print it out. You'd frame it. You'd like look at it every other day, right? You'd like <laughs> you would research it all and follow it because you just bring a totally different energy and commitment to it. And that's all that money is. And I think that sometimes, um, I think you know, if we talk in cultures, sometimes uh, uh, like the Australian culture, you know, when I grew up in it, it's kind of like it's a little bit shunned even to talk about money and to talk about. Mm what, you know, like spending a lot of money. It's like, oh, you're an idiot. Don't spend that much money. That's dumb, right? And so, yeah, it's 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 fascinating how we view money and what that, that relationship is. Yeah. And also I think that that shows up in how we, how we make offers and how we actually sell our products because if we feel like this is too expensive or no one's going to buy it, then mm. – probably no one's going to buy it. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. I feel like when it's this thing of when you make space for something, I feel like there's a follow through that happens where actually if you go, this is how much it is and, and provided the offer is something that people want, right? How do you actually yes. on that, like do you come across many people who make offers that you're like, I don't know if anyone wants that? Yeah, I, I do occasionally. Um mm. It's a, one of the biggest problems is with most offers is they aren't specific enough. And so I know for us, like for me, I used to teach, one of the other programs I had was just general presenting. So it was like yeah. how to confidently present, right? And that program sold okay. I used to sell it on webinar and stuff like that. And it, it sold okay. But when I chose to teach selling on on a stage or a virtual stage, like specifically how to sell and then specifically for entrepreneurs uh, and, and experts, m- my business just went to a whole nother level because yeah. the specificity of the offer yeah. uh, really made a big difference. And really there's two kind of things that you can specify on, which is the avatar, the person you serve or the vehicle that you choose to serve them with. So for example, someone who doesn't, have specificity in either would be a life coach who coaches everyone on life, right? Mm. Or yep. they could be they could be a life coach that specializes in weight loss for women who are between 40 and 55 years old who are married without kids. Like that could be like really specific, right? And the usually yep. the more specific you get, you can niche on avatar and and vehicle that makes a big difference in terms of your offer a lot of the time. Yeah. Ah, that's so cool. That's so helpful. Okay, so now you've met Colin, I want to tell you a little bit more about what he does and share a sneaky little offer that you can access for free. I've had the pleasure of being one of Colin's students over the past few years, and I've got to tell you, what he teaches in Sell From Stage Academy has transformed the way I present webinars. Now you probably know this, but when I started hosting webinars, I was making it up. And to be honest, I was missing huge opportunities to truly serve my audience and sell to them. 
but since I've started using Colin's Sell From Stage framework, I've been able to confidently present webinars that my attendees love and find valuable and that actually compel them to take action. And the best part is it feels really authentic. There's no pushy sales pitch at the end. He actually teaches you how to harness the power of storytelling so that you can confidently and authentically sell from any stage. As I said, Colin has put together a free video series, How to Sell from Virtual Stages, that you can access via the link in our show notes. This video series has helped me a bunch and I know it will help you too. So head to our show notes to get access to his free video series, How to Sell from Virtual Stages. Now let's head back to the episode. So can you walk us through... I know that our audience would love to hear the, the actual steps that are involved in your sell from stage framework. Can you walk us through just quickly the, the key steps that are involved? Yeah. Well, I mean, really when it comes down to it, the, a great presentation does four things. It's right at the start, the introduction, it, it touches people's hearts. And so what I mean by touching their hearts is, you know, the first 10 to 15 minutes of your presentation you're really wanting to be showing your audience that that you get them, that you mm. know what they're going through. You genuinely can see the challenges and the desires that they have. And you share your story in a way that they connect with uh, where they're like, they say, wow, this person who's talking is like me, but they've also achieved so much more than me. Or, or, they've, or they've seen a victory in a specific area that I would love to see a victory in. So it's like you're the 2.0 version of that, of them a lot of the time. So the start is touching their hearts. It's motivating them for the content and really showing them that you get them, that you care, that you're like them, but you're also you're also ahead of them on some yeah. level. Not better than them, just ahead of them in in a certain thing. And so that's really like the first big step. Now there's nine specific steps for that, but that's, I think, just for the podcast at the moment, the audience just need to understand that, that big idea. The, yeah. the second piece is is um, is shifting their minds. And so one of the big mistakes that people make when they present, especially on webinars or, or especially if they're trying to sell a program or a product or an offering, is what they do is they go to their course that they've created or their program and they just ask, what's some cool content in this program that I can put into this training that that the audience will go, oh, that, that makes sense. That's really good. Well, if I got this for free, imagine what I get if I pay money at the end, right? Now, I think that's a big mistake because mm. the content in your course really shouldn't be the content in your webinar that that sells what you do. And it's not about creating just sales content. It's about creating content that shifts perspective. And so you have to come up with ideas that 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 move the audience to a place of desire for the outcome that you can help them with and also change their perspective on how what they see is possible for their life. And then also take off resistance that they have around the particular area. So for example, with our program, we, we run Sell From Stage Academy. One of the examples that I use is, is people have a hang-up around selling, right? And so they might have resistance around selling. So for me, one of my key concepts that I'll teach is selling is the doorway to serving. And so when they change their perspective on selling, all of a sudden the idea of selling and then selling on a stage becomes more not just attractive but less resistance around it. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, I love that. So the second step is shifting shifting their minds, not just teaching their minds, shifting their minds. And then the third step is equipping their hands, which is giving them some practicals, some how-tos. Now, one of the big mistakes that people make is they get too much how-to, especially when yeah. they're wanting to sell. Um, if you're teaching, purely teaching for teaching's sake, how-tos is great. But if you're wanting to actually move an audience to your program – they don't need how-tos and this is I think this is a big hang-up as well that many entrepreneurs have is they have such a desire to help and serve that they give all the how-tos, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I know so much. They give all the how-tos. But I actually think that that is a lot of the time harming the audience 
from the perspective of it overwhelms the audience and doesn't mm. move them to a place of commitment. It just overwhelms them with little things that they're probably not going to do ever because they're not committed to it anyway. But they're yeah. like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm never going to do that, right? Uh, and, <laughs> and so, so but the equipping of hands is like the third step. You do, do need to do some little bit of it, but not not as much as people think, especially in this, if yeah. you're doing a sales one, uh, what we call a sharp sell. And then, and then the final step is moving their feet, which is moving and transitioning into your offer and showing them the next steps, whether that be a PDF download or your program or consulting or a one-on-one conversation, whatever it is. So they're the four big steps, like touching their hearts, shifting their minds, equipping their hands and moving their feet. I love that. And that's one thing that I um, definitely learned and the mistake I had made in webinars was I would just try to cram as much content in there. I would try to make it as helpful as possible. I would overdo it. And mm. I find it's so true. And, and when, you, when you put it like that, it's like, of course, when have you ever made a decision when you're overwhelmed? You know, like when have you ever gone, I'm going to get my wallet out and <laughs> give this person money? You don't because you're stressed, you know, like I kind of think it's really the idea of talking about and you, you speak a lot about sharing the why, not so much of the how because mm. the and, – and that's such a mindset shift for so many and even – not even just in webinars but I think in our content, mm. you know, it feels like Instagram is saturated with – how-to content, you know, Mm. reels on how to do all this stuff, carousel posts. And I'm kind of starting to shift away from that going, I think we need to speak more to the why and you'll learn the how in in our program or you'll learn the how in a consulting thing or whatever. So I love that just that simple shift has made a big difference for me um, as well. And I think the the big shift is realising that, a webinar or a pres- any presentation that actually moves someone into a program, first of all, it's not about like it's not about doing a sales presentation. It's about teaching in a way that helps the audience to become more committed to themselves related to the outcome that you help them with. Yeah. And one thing I love that you do is you don't do the sales pitch at the end, right? You're kind of like you're weaving it throughout and mm. and referring back to stories of of past students and because I feel like the sales pitch at the end it feels like an infomercial on daytime television to me like it feels like you know when they're like selling those like you know I, I think and you get I the steak know, knives this... and these knives yeah. and and then <laughs> totally. also another another set of twelve knives <laughs> yes totally yeah. but I love that you your approach is let's let's speak to the program throughout so that. Mm they're not kind of blindsided at the yes. end, you know. Or, infusion selling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So infusion Can you talk selling, to us about that? Yeah. So infusion selling, and that's one of the big reasons that a lot of people come to me for is this idea that it's most people speak or they teach and then they just whack a sale on the, like a selling piece on the end. And that's why a lot yeah. of the time the audience goes, hang on, what, what's, what's this about? Like, you know, this seems odd and the energy yeah. is so different where when you use infusion selling, you actually speak and sell at the same time. And, and, it's, and once again, it's kind of like you could almost think about it like a scale. If on one side it's selling and it's pushy and it's kind of highly manipulative, and then on the other side it's, it's just speaking and teaching and help and just like how-to content, you, you have to hit that middle section, which is, which is – your teaching sells the next thing. So whether people join or not, you know, you know whether they join or not, that they should still walk away going, that was really helpful. Like that really ch- changed my perspective. It changed how I viewed and thought about this and that's going to help me. But But the ultimate goal is helping them to come to a place of commitment because I think the best example of this is, you know, you mentioned we live in the US. Now, Sarah and I had talked about moving to the US for probably five years before we moved. And so what I did for five years was I went around and I talked to people who had been thinking about moving to the US or some people who had moved to the US. I was on, you know, Google, I was on Reddit, I was on YouTube, I was on Facebook, I was on everywhere, taking people out for coffee, picking their brain, all that sort of stuff. And after, you know, four to five years of research, 
I was more confused on how to do it than I was at the start. I don't know, <laughs> right? Yes. And so really all I was doing was just gathering a whole bunch of random information. But what I actually needed was just to decide that I'm going to do it. And what happened yeah. was the, the, the decision point was when I decided to hire a immigration lawyer. And I just said, are we going to do this or not? And I said, okay, let's, let's do it. We hired an immigration yeah. lawyer. We hired an international business consultant. And no word of a lie, we were living in the US within six months. Like we've got a house in the US. We're living in the US. Our business is set up. We've got clients within six months. And I've been, my kids call it kerfuffling, kerfuffling around, <laughs> researching yeah. for five years and none of it helped because as soon as I went to the actual professional and they said, no, this is the plan, this is the process, just follow this and do this, I, I, I paid some money, I got some help, I followed a process that was proven and I just did what they told me to do and then, and then it just, it just fast-tracked the whole experience. But what it came down to was I hadn't made a decision and I was just yes. researching. And so the reason why I'm sharing this is your audience are researching, right? Yeah. They're researching yeah. your topic. They're jumping on your free webinar, your free training. They're researching your topic. I can guarantee you they don't need more research. What they actually need is they need to decide, is this the thing that I want to commit to? And that's what your presentation has to help them to do, not give them more information that they can research on and do nothing about. Totally. That's so good. So the goal of the whole presentation is to get them to a point where they can decide this is the next step I need to take. It's Correct. not to educate them on your whole topic. Correct. That's so, so good. One more thing I love, and, and I know we, we kind of, we don't have heaps more time. We don't have heaps more time. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's heaps good. It's heaps I'm wearing, good English. Oh, heaps good English. <laughs> do you find, do, when you say heaps, do Americans look at you like, what? Yeah, they don't use that word that often. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely been a few words that I've had to shift and change. So Yeah, totally. <laughs> so one thing I love about how you do your presentations and even speaking to you now, every time you say something, you share an example, you share a story, like whether it's a personal story or just an example so that people can kind of picture it. Why do you think storytelling is such an important part of selling? Because mm, storytelling turns off the conscious mind. So yeah. the conscious mind is where all the yeah buts are, all the resistance pieces. And so storytelling moves past the conscious mind and hits the unconscious mind. And so that's the first reason why storytelling sells without selling or without feeling like you're selling. Um, that's Another reason is that stories, when you tell, tell a story well uh, and and one of my obsessions is signature stories that sell as opposed to signature stories that just connect. When you tell a signature story that sells, what it does is you tell your story, but you're actually not telling your story. You're telling theirs. And so mm. if you do it in the right way, when you speak, your audience should be reflecting on their own life going, I feel like that as well. I've experienced that as well. Wow, imagine if I could make that decision like they have. If I could be as courageous as them, then maybe I could see a change in my life. And so your story isn't your story. It's actually theirs. And that's why it sells. Yeah, I love that. So there's an empathy element because you're, you have to really connect with what's the pain point that they're feeling. What if you haven't? So what if you're in a, you know, a space where it's like, I think about a friend of mine, she bought this plant course and it's all about like building your own herb garden. Mm. In that situation- Don't tell my wife about it because she'll buy it. <laughs> it's, honestly, these people are making so much money. They're selling this, yeah, they this course on, yeah, seriously. But like in that situation, what would like, um, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but what would a signature story be in that situation? Because it's not, it's not exactly like- I struggled with this, you know, growing this herb. Like, is it that or is it kind of, does that not work for every type of product? It could be. Like from a herb perspective or doing a garden or whatever, like there's no reason <laughs> I why I can tell you-, you know a lot about gardening from <laughs> a much. herb perspective. A herb perspective. <laughs> <laughs> from the perspective of a herb, uh, it's, it could be the literal journey. 
And a lot of the yeah. time that's a great way to do it is, is so, if, you know, I've got examples in my life of, of like the presentation that changed my life, right? That's one of my mm. signature stories that I shared at the start. Yeah. And the, so it could be that person could share an example of they had tried for years and couldn't get their herbs to grow and yeah. they had this idea, this desire of, of having a, their own personal outdoor garden where they could go out during while they're cooking spaghetti and they could, they could run out and grab some fresh basil and, and you know, all the herbs and bring it in and, and, and put it on the – and it's like you're creating this experience and then – but they just – they couldn't work it out. And then what happened was they started to use this specific process, which is what we call the bloody blah process and, yeah. you know, the herbinator process. And what happened was <laughs> was within three months, our herbs went from struggling to just thriving. And I remember when I was sitting down just recently reflecting, looking at my young kids as they were eating our, our herbs and were just laughing and having this beautiful experience, I realized that this is the reason why I wanted it. This was the reason why I created it. It wasn't even about the herbs. It was about the experiences that I wanted to have. And so- Oh, you're good. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a good story about herbs. <laughs> so, it is. <laughs> yeah, love it. Uh, so the that's an example. I could do a literal one, or we could yeah. do a signature story about you know you, what you, what we have to do is we have to find wh- what are they wanting to do. And so for that example, it could be something about like creating an experience. It could be something about. Uh, it could be something about creating growth or you, you kind of want to yeah. pull out the key principle of what you're trying to yes. share. And then you could find another story of where you had challenge and then you had a breakthrough and you share that story and you can refer that to. And that was, that's why, you know, creating a herb garden or creating an experience through herb gardens for me was so important. And I've been able to build these herb gardens, etc. And so, you can – I, I do like the literal journeys. I really love them. But if not, you can find a moment that 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 uh, exemplifies the key principle of what you're trying to share. I love that. That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> you could feel the herb garden, couldn't you? You, you could, could feel I, the moment. I was like, I'm going to buy this course. I don't yeah. even – you know, I'm actually terrible at looking after plants. So I would, you know, if there is that course, I'm like, hmm, I wouldn't mind buying it. Yeah. Um, that is so, so helpful. So final question for you, given that a lot of our community are small business owners, they're solo entrepreneurs, they're kind of juggling everything. Mm. And I think a lot of our community are really wanting to shift from kind of this one-to-one service offering or product offering to this more leveraged offering what do you think, like what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to this person? Uh, I think, first of all, you have to processize what you do because yeah. the reason why you are stuck in a one-to-one a lot of the time while people get stuck in there is because they haven't processized their system because mm-hmm. when you, to scale something, you have to have a process for it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is if you want scale, you need two things. You need usually a focused person that you sell it to and you usually need simplicity. And so I know for me, you know, when I was in Australia, I had about 19 different offerings. Like I could do so many different things for people and I was flying all around the country doing 200,000 things, right? And it was fine. It was overwhelming, but it was really capped. And then now we literally have one product. Like if someone asks like, what do we do? It's like, all roads lead to ourselves from Stage Academy. It's like, there's no yeah. other choice. It's like, what choice would you like? The Academy or the Academy? <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. It's the, um, you can have whatever you want as long as it's black. It's, that <laughs> it's whole, exactly yeah. that. <laughs> and that principle, like you look at that back in the day, that's so true. You know, with building the Ford is that's how he scaled. He, he simplified, yeah. he processedized, and, and then he was able to focus on, on scaling that. I love it. Oh, so good. I feel like I've had a, a coaching session with you, just particularly on the herbs. I think that, <laughs> that seems was the like... breakthrough moment. <laughs> that was the breakthrough moment for me, I, yeah. I know. So thank you so much. And so where can people follow you, find you and all those things? 
Yeah, we're on Instagram a lot, so at Instagram. Uh, if you want to check out our podcast, it's the Expert Edge podcast. Uh, Wait, just you just on... said your Instagram is at Instagram. Oh, did I? <laughs> at Instagram, yeah. That would be that would be a big that's that's a big deal. Yeah. I literally run Instagram. It's at Colin that Boyd. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so just at Colin Boyd uh, with one L. Everyone in America spells it two L's. I'm like one of the few people that's that spell weird. it with one L. Yeah. I know. And Colin's very normal over here where it's not in us. I, I think I met one Colin in Australia. Uh, he was right. about 90 years old. And, uh, <laughs> but the, but there's lots of them, lots of them here actually. I meet like two year olds at the park. They're like, Colin. I'm like, is that? And the our kids look at me and laugh. Uh, they're like, oh my gosh, that's his name. And they're, they're so hilarious. Uh, so yeah, Colin Boyd and then uh, Expert Edge podcast is uh, our podcast. Amazing. And your podcast is really great. So, Definitely recommend listening to that. Well, thank you so much, Colin. It, you're a wizard. It's so good to get your thoughts. And I know like having done the course and having done Self From Stage, there's so much, so much wisdom. And it's a really, what I love about it is it's really implementable. Like it's, mm. you really walk you, like people through the step-by-step. And also for someone like me, so many things I was doing wrong that I had no idea I was doing wrong. So <laughs> It's good. It's good to figure it out. So thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, it's been a pleasure and it's great having you in in our community as well. And I hope that it's been helpful for all the listeners. Yes. Amazing. Thanks, Colin. So there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. Colin is a legend. He's so good. It's nice talking to um, Australians. I feel like he gets more Australian as he talks to other Aussies and I I appreciate that. Now, if you wanted to check out Sell From Stage Academy, head on over to the show notes because we've got a link there for you to check it all out. I highly recommend. It's awesome. And any of the other links we've mentioned, you'll find them in the show notes. Everything is always there. Most of the time we're (laughs) organised. So that's great. And music from today's episode was by my wonderful friend, Jake Scott. You can listen to him on Apple Music or Spotify. You'll love his stuff. And um, don't forget to join the Facebook group, My Business Playbook. You can find us online everywhere and I'll be glad to meet you. That's all from me today. I think I've done so much talking. So that's me done. I'm out. Okay. Have a glorious week. I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Go get them.